We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. That sound you hear isn't frauds reaching back-to-back World Cup finals or Lionel Messi using a massage gun on every fibre in his body. It's the distant screams of Leicester and Southampton scouts who are slowly realising that months of watching Azadine Unahi has all been for nothing. This is the Arsenal Vision World Cup Daily and welcome back. We're here for another episode and yes, unfortunately the Moroccan dream has come to an end but they can be proud of their historic showing at the World Cup that saw them become the first African side to reach a World Cup semi-final, among many other achievements, but they fell at the penultimate hurdle, lacking just that little bit of extra quality to put an ominous, inevitable France to the sword. But we'll get into that and more with my fellow podcastee, Lewis Ambrose, who you can find on Twitter at LG Ambrose. Hello, Lewis. Good evening, Phil. How are we doing? We're, we're, just, we're just freed the from the shackles. Yeah, just the two of us. We're freed from the shackles of Elliot once again. <laughs> dangerously close to, to breaking into song there. Um, I know. <laughs> yeah, like a, a, a thought, obviously a thought for those Southampton scouts that you mentioned who also picked up Sofian Pufal only for him to not really do that much in the Premier League and then uh, perform over and over again when the world was watching. Uh, this winter there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of crying into google drives tonight i'm sure so but hey that's the life the life of a scout huh who would do it not me that's for sure um but yeah that's it we've got the final sorted france v argentina it sounds like um, a World Cup final it does it like, does sound like i know a, World a lot Cup of final. people a lot of people wanted when they saw these semi-final pairings i saw a lot of people saying oh morocco croatia imagine that that'd be great and for for all the reasons it would have been great, France Argentina just sounds like a mouth watering World Cup final that you sort of you'll read about happened in the seventies or the eighties, and you wish you'd have seen some of those players playing at their pomp. So you know, like we didn't get the upsets, but I think we still have a, a pretty good game ahead of us on Sunday. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I spoke yesterday about not having too much skin in the game in terms of, in terms of the, the finalists. I mean, I could see a, an argument for all four being in the final. Um, you know, I like 
definitely some some aspects to every team so ultimately I wasn't too bothered but I, to be honest as today's game was going on I did feel myself <laughs> getting more and more um into Morocco's corner and I was you know impressed gutted and and everything in between because uh you know France Argentina does sound like a a final it's a two huge nations two huge footballing nations going head to head some big players but France didn't have it all their own way um and when they scored the opening goal I didn't expect the game to go how it did I don't know if you did I mean what were your no, thoughts no like the I I thought we might as well all pack up and and turn the TVs off just because Morocco had not had not spent time having to come from behind in this entire tournament France have got Kylian Mbappe amongst others on the break and you just I th- I'm sure everybody thought really scoring so early that France were just going to be able to sit there and, and pick Morocco off they like they they started I think obviously the goal is, is was always going to shake Morocco. A goal coming in the first four minutes is, is going to shake anyone. Then they lose Saiz for injury. They'd already lost Aguad for injury, uh, you know, before the game. So I didn't see any way back into it. And then the game started to slowly turn, sort of five, ten minutes before halftime. And probably only maybe ten if you include the injury time. It, it was right before the break. Uh, yeah, so I, I don't know about you. I just... I definitely, yeah, as soon as the first goal went in, um, you know, it's a fantastic finish from Hernandez. I think that goal is not going to get enough love for how difficult the finish is. Or how he, he has to leap. It's a Giroud the, finish. Yeah. It's a Giroud finish, isn't it? Like you how can see him his, doing that. Like, yeah. it, to connect with the ball is, you know, challenging enough, but he gets his foot completely over it so he can put it into mm-hmm. the bottom corner. Is you know, it's technically unbelievable Hernandez obviously coming in for his brother has been another one of those injuries which has probably helped France a little bit nudged them in the right direction Kante Pogba Benzema I think the players who have replaced all of those players are probably better for for the way this team's set up um at the same time they've never like at any point in this tournament been convincing and I the same mm. as you like when a bit like Argentina last night, I guess. As soon as they went 1-0 up, I thought we were just going to get the same story again. Um, Argentina haven't been the most convincing team throughout the tournament. I think they've looked good a lot of the time. And then they've never quite, like they did last night in the other semi-final, managed to put a game to bed. And France have been the same. Uh, I think, uh, they, they played pretty evenly against Poland until they got the second goal and and you would have expected that to have maybe looked a little bit easier than it did until a couple of moments of brilliance from Mbappe. Obviously the England game, it felt like they sort of switched off and were happy to sit back after getting the lead both times. Denmark, they was probably for me their best performance, but they still, you know, on the scoreline at least they ended up tight. So yeah, I, I thought that we were going to get a runaway win like we did with Argentina, Croatia, um, and but France once again they went ahead and then at some point decided to just sit back and protect what they had and I don't understand why this team with all these players just don't go for the throat. Yeah, I mean I, I, to be to be fair, I'm not sure if that was intentional or not. I mean you could see that the change of system and personnel kind of affected Morocco early on. They were kind of loose defensively. Their distances were off, you know, and that's been such a important part of their play and their structure, kind of having people close together, right? And I just felt there was too much space. Um, I mean, for the goal, I know it's an excellent finish, but I just think Griezmann gets in way too easily down that side and 
you know, like you say, once that goal goes in, you're thinking, oh God, you know, this could be two, three, four, um, especially with the injuries. I mean, Saiz, <laughs> he could hardly run. I mean, yeah. if there was any more strapping on that knee, I think it would have turned blue uh, due to a lack of circulation. So, you know, you just saw that and the, the stars kind of aligned for a, a pretty much a disastrous night for, for Morocco. But yeah, I can only commend them. Honestly, I, we've seen them play defensively well, um, you know, very committed, very brave, quite physical, you know, but they haven't been a, you know, an Atletico Madrid kind of defensive side or no. a Greece, you know, they've, they've shown some real moments. And I think in that, in that first half, I think crucially France are more kind of happier to give up possession than, than Spain or Morocco who have, you know, that have fallen before them. And we haven't really seen Morocco come out and play, you know, we've seen moments, but tonight they really played. And I think there were some really nice passages of play. I mean, it, you know, Amrabat, I thought he was excellent again in the first phase. Unahi between the lines, you know, so smart just kind of drifting about whether it was the left half space, the right half space, that little triangle with Ziyech and Hakimi. And what they did, which I loved, was that they took advantage of the press because France, they were pushing Griezmann high, they were pushing Mbappe high, Giroud obviously is going to be high. And centrally, there's a lot of space there. You know, once you get past Griezmann, it's just for Fana and Chouameni. And I really liked that they didn't fall into the trap of France pushing them wide, which is like what I felt England kind of succumbed to. I think France were happy to keep England wide and, and England were happy to go wide. But I really liked Morocco going through the central areas today. And, and you could see France were uncomfortable. I mean, I don't think there were any, I don't think they were under the cosh at any moment, but, you know, there was some really important last bit, uh, last ditch defending, sorry, from Konate, from Varane, even Kunde. And I, and I really didn't expect that. And again, it's just another kind of uh, another thing to be impressed with, with with this side, who against all the odds can can make a game of this when nobody expected them to do it. I think it was like sixty five minutes, and they'd completed more passes. Like you know, you mentioned the Spain game, the Portugal. They completed more passes after about sixty five minutes than they'd completed in any other game at this tournament so far against the world champions. Which yeah, it obviously it speaks to the way that France approached the game with the lead, mm-hmm. but not anyone could just do that and and have the ball and keep the ball and and threaten with it as well. Like you know, you you said about going through the middle. Buffal, I think, did a really good job of playing centrally tucking inside and, and allowing his left back to get outside him and provide the width and the thrust out there on the flank. And and he came in instead. Uh, I, I also thought that actually the size injury helped them a lot. Like, you know, they changed to the back five for the start of the game. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, first four minutes, the plans out the window straight away. But after that, France were really happy. You had the back three and because it was a back three, Amrabat stayed in front of them for that first ball out. And Giroud just stood on him. Uh, none of the centre-backs wanted to carry the ball out or or look for those progressive passes. It was all about getting it into Amrabat. As we've seen all the tournament, it's him and Unahi who have been the players who have helped Morocco build out from the back, play from the back, beat the press, if you like. And early on, France didn't really press. They just stopped the ball going into Amrabat. And the three centre-backs were there, I think not really knowing what to do with it or not backing themselves enough. And 
as soon as they changed the back four, it meant that Unahi could do that thing that, that you mentioned in previous pods where he drops to the left of Amrabat, he drops to the right of Amrabat, and those two just rotated then. And the France press was, as you said, they, they could just play through it. Those two are so good on the ball that as soon as it wasn't just Amrabat isolated in front of the, the centre-backs, but Unahi was joining him, France couldn't really you know, shut them down quickly enough. They couldn't shut them down without leaving spaces to to be exposed. At, at the same time, I'm thinking back, Like I think Morocco were really good at the end of the first half. I think Morocco were really good for a long spell in the second half. Uh, but, you know, you mentioned some of that last-ditch defending. Varane, I thought Canate was great. How Upamakano is playing ahead of Saliba or Canate, I don't really understand. I, I kind of get it with Saliba because he's a much more, Upamakano is a much more aggressive style defender. Mm-hmm. I don't know how yeah, Varane completely. and Saliba mm-hmm. together would work. Um, but Canate can play that Upamakano role, you know, perfectly well and, and without, I think, some of the error proneness, if you like. He was excellent. He was excellent tonight. Yeah, I think he was maybe France's best player tonight. Uh, him him and Griezmann, who was fantastic mm-hmm. again, as he's mm-hmm. <laughs> the new N'Golo Kante in, in the heart. What's happened there? Genuinely, I, the amount of times pilk. I saw him in, in the penalty box, like picking up loose balls, and it was just like... He's covering so much ground. There was a ball out in the corner, like uh, sort of France's defensive corner, <laughs> I don't know, 15 minutes ago or something like that. And the, the Moroccan player faced him up and, and sort of looked to jink past. And Griezmann defended him like Tomiyasu or like, you know, peak Nacho Monreal, <laughs> just shut the guy down. He's this tiny attacking midfielder or a former forward. Yeah, it's whatever Diego Simeone coaches uh, at Atletico Madrid, Didier Deschamps has used it to full effect at the heart of the France midfield in, in N'Golo Kante's absence. Um, and he's created the most chances in the whole tournament as well. It's not like he's just doing the defensive stuff, but obviously he's got all that quality on the ball as well. I mean, the player of the tournament always goes to you know someone who scored a bunch of goals or, or created a bunch of goals. Unfortunately, that's we just rate those players highest. But Antoine Griezmann should, you know, I mean, Modric won it uh, four years ago. Obviously, yeah, Antoine yeah, Griezmann true. realistically mm-hmm. should be in for a real shout of player of the tournament. I think because he's like every single France game, he's been fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we spoke about it during the early stages of the tournament, and I think France needed to kind of tweak the midfield a little bit because I think Griezmann wanted to do too much. But then he realised that, hey, Chouameni can more than handle himself in that midfield. So I'm just going to let him do what he wants. And I'm just going to be everywhere. You know, I mean, it's incredible. He's he's supporting Giroud. He's dr- dropping into the left eight role. He's between the centre-backs. I mean, it's genuinely incredible. And like you said, he's even covering full-backs at times to, to make challenges with five, ten minutes to go. And, you know... In a, in a game where Usman Dembele was quiet and quite wasteful, actually, Giroud, quiet again. Mbappe had some moments, had a very decisive moment that we'll come on to later. But I just think to have Griezmann there kind of knitting everything together has has really been an, an incredible thing for France. And like you said, Messi is probably going to get the headlines and the um the attention for for his performances and rightly so but but Griezmann for me has has been phenomenal and I think France owe a lot of their success to him so um yeah you were speaking there quickly about Monaco at uh, Monaco Morocco um <laughs> Morocco yes um 
playing really well in in the early stages of the second half. They needed a goal, didn't they? And it and it didn't come. And you could just see the legs tiring. There was mm-hmm. with every break, with every Mbappe run forward, the recovery one runs were getting a bit slower. I mean, there was one incredible <laughs> challenge from Amrabat that maybe could have been a foul as well. <laughs> um but you could see, you know, it was just more and more space opening up. And with a couple of substitutions, Turam came on, Kolomuani came on, and ultimately he was the one who who managed to get the breathing space in quite incredible. I mean, he was on the pitch for what, a couple of minutes, if that? Less. I, th- um, I think I think I saw Opta tweet that it's the third quickest goal by a sub ever at the World Cup. I think it was like 40 seconds or something like that. Blimey. There you go. Um, talk about an instant impact, but he'll obviously that's a, a life changing moment for him. And he's been excellent for Frankfurt this season. But the work before from Mbappe is just, well, it's incredible. And, and um, I think Turam, like for two reasons, that's why I think Turam was such a great sub because Mbappe is just when he bothers to do any sort of defensive work, he's just a body that's sort of in the mm. way. You might as well get one of the training ground free kick mannequins to, to stand in front of the left back instead. So like if he bothers to track back that far, that's the job that he does. Uh, Morocco managed to... Morocco. That's how good Morocco were, was that Kylian Mbappe did that more tonight, You know, even if it wasn't the greatest of physical exertions defensively. He did more of that tonight than he's done in any other game during the tournament so far. Yeah, I mean, Teo Hernandez needed a hand, didn't he? He was struggling a fair bit down that right-hand side with with Ziyech, Hakimi going on the overlap, Unai making overloads. And, yeah. you know, he's not the most technically um, defensively gifted uh, player anyway. And I just think they were getting in time and time again on that on that side. So but, you he know, definitely that, needed a hand. That, and that sub just gives you, it gives you that in Taram, but it also gives you a player who will hold the ball up well, who has a lot more pace than than Giroud to go on the break with Mbappe. And it leaves you Mbappe up front where you don't need him to to come back into those left-back areas. You don't have to play that game of chicken and maybe the ball breaks on a counter and he's not tracked back and it means he's got a great chance. But maybe it costs you because you're missing a man defensively. And it means that he could stay up there and, and pin those centre-backs and chase every ball, hold the ball, just you know, obviously not with his size, but just with his incredible technical ability. And yeah, like you say, it's that that's exactly what creates the, the second goal. And the first goal as well, it's just the the fear of facing Kylian Mbappe. Like three, four players just get sucked in towards him. It happened with the first one, which is why, why Teo is so free to to take the time to let it bounce and then mm-hmm. and then manage to hit the ball before Bono reaches him. And the second goal, I mean, he, he drags more than more than three or four players and it's, it's half the Moroccan team, basically. And obviously, Colomuani. There's, there's also a lot of luck involved, right? And I think there was... Th- that goal, for me, that was... It summed up the difference, really. Uh, Morocco had a lot of the ball. They had it in the final third, plenty. Uh, but there was a mixture of a little bit of quality not quite there and a little bit of luck that just wasn't there. You know, I think when the quality was there, I'm thinking sort of the beginning of the second half, Bafal getting down the left and, and Atia Ala again, who came off the bench at half time and looked dangerous like he did against Portugal. There was a few moments where they got to, they got down the wing, they got to the byline, the ball went across and 
you know, whatever you want to put it down to, not quite the best delivery or not quite the best decision or just a bit of luck that it didn't bounce straight to a Moroccan player like it did for Colin mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that's the difference, I think, at this level. So often it, it doesn't really matter a great deal what happens between the boxes, but in the boxes, if you have a bit of quality and a bit of luck, it will take you a long, long way. Yeah, absolutely. I, I completely agree with that. And like you said, when there's just an added bit of quality in in both penalty boxes that can really make the difference in tournament football. And unfortunately, there were a couple of times where Morocco did get into some really promising positions and they just either the movement wasn't right. And there was that one moment where I think Chuamani got pinched in midfield and, and mm-hmm. there was like a three on three. And, and I think you know, 95% of the world was just screaming at the TV to shoot. Um, and he just held on to it, held on to it. I mean, oh, you th- there was I about mean, three different times, right? Where you thought, surely yeah, he's going to yeah, pull yeah. the trigger now. And I think if you score there, maybe pure adrenaline can maybe take you on, um, you know, and make the end of the game really special. But the goal just somehow eluded them. There was a couple of breaks in the box, you know, a few bounces. There was one with Hakimi, um, you know, and ultimately they, they just couldn't find a way to, to the goal. I mean, there was that incredible bicycle kick in the first half as well that hit the yeah. post. Uh, was it Loris that saved it? I think it was a mixture of the two. Um, but yeah, really, really gutted for them. But ultimately they've won a lot of hearts. I think tactically they've been excellent, really, really underrated. Um, I mean, this is a, a group of players and, and a manager for sure that will that will be doing their reputations no harm. Uh, Regagi is a very young um, young manager, highly rated in Morocco, but now the world's looked at him and it really wouldn't surprise me to see him given some opportunities in, in Europe and beyond. So just to touch on Morocco finally, two players, Amrabat and Anunai, I think January is looking very, very, um, shall we say... Um, promising for both players and and for their clubs as well. I mean, Angers, bottom of the league in Ligue 1 in France, they'll be licking their lips at some potential fees coming in there. And Amrabat, he's already been chased by Spurs. I think Liverpool have been linked as well. I think those two will be be on the move very soon. Yeah, it won't take long, will it? Like You wonder, as you say, those two clubs now will be holding other teams to ransom as soon as they and not just those two but anyone who goes in for any any member of the Moroccan squad now is gonna be yeah I imagine waiting until the 31st of January and seeing how much they can squeeze out of any deal that that might get done like yeah Amrabat has has been linked with a few of the biggest clubs in the Premier League Man United as well I think um uh, Unahi like you said at the top Southampton and Leicester have have been sort of on the case and, and not done it early enough. Lekeep today said something like 35 million bid or move possible for, for Leicester. Really? Given that Leicester, like given that Leicester spent nothing in the summer and seemed very reluctant to spend anything, I'd be really surprised if they suddenly spent like over 30 million now uh, on anybody. But I don't know, maybe. Maybe, maybe that, that James, that sweet, sweet James Madison money possibly. Who knows? Um <laughs> But yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be really interesting. It's it's. I was going to say it's weird. I guess it's not. We usually see these World Cup moves happen, and they happen 
in the summer and then a player has to has a, a bit of a preseason they can grow into a new season with a new club it, people are just going to get thrown into teams now if anyone gets signed off the back of a good world cup i don't think it will happen to the extent that it happened 10 or 15 years ago because of the you know the, the advancements in scouting and, and analytics nowadays but i think if you look at some of the numbers and, and some of the performances at club level then a lot of it will stack up anyway. As you said, clubs have been linked with these two play- these two players in particular for mm-hmm. a while. Um, I think anyone going in for them would have done their due diligence and they won't be doing it off the back of just a couple of good performances at the World Cup. Yeah, definitely. And anything else you want to mention about France? I mean, like I said, I thought that the two centre-backs were, were excellent today and I'd be very surprised if Upa Meccano gets back in. I think Rabiot will be back in. I thought Fafana was fine, but I just think the dynamic between him and Chuameni is kind of similar. And I think Rabiot is kind of the perfect middleman to have between Griezmann and Chuameni. And I think they did miss a bit of that today. Um, but he was by no means, you know, disappointing. I thought someone who was disappointing was Usman Dembele. I was really, you know, um, the amount of times he was giving the ball away. But yeah, anything else to touch on with France or or should we get into that juicy just, final on Sunday? Just just the old the old Jesse Pinkman. They can't keep getting away with this. They can't they, keep getting away with it. I, you, this score a goal and then defend the hell out of it. It's it's not <laughs> maybe maybe they've just got enough quality, you know. It it reminds me a bit of Real Madrid. And, and and the way that they've won the Champions League. It's a great comparison, actually. It's a really good You're comparison. Just unbelievable amounts of individual quality and then a structure that sort of allows the players to shine but doesn't take risks. Uh, it's all very safe. It's all very conservative. It's hard to criticise when it works for them. Like it, it works for them over and over again. Uh, you know the the Euros. I know the Euros was a bit disappointing, but at the end of the day, they went out on penalties in that. Um, you know, everybody's. It's been done to death a little bit, but the the number of injuries that have just <laughs> to world class players as well that have just helped them on their way. You know, uh, we've mentioned Pogba, Kante. Benzema, Lucas Hernandez in the first game, but also Christopher Nkunku. And, and mm-hmm. over the past couple of years, Didier Deschamps has, has experimented with a back three a lot. And it looked a few months ago, like, or the, certainly, you know, a few weeks before the tournament, all the French media expected Saliba to play every game because it was going to be a back three. And then they lost uh, Nkunku on top of... Pogba and Kante, and I'm, I'm guessing Nkunku would have sort of played in a front three with with Mbappe and, and one other, probably Griezmann. And it just feels like too many key parts went missing through injury and Deschamps decided to go to something a little bit simpler, a little bit more tried and tested, and it's just paid off better than anyone could have hoped. I still, I still feel like the way that they sit back after the conceding I still feel like they should come unstuck at some point, but I don't know if Argentina are the are the team to do it. I feel like actually for France, I think you say we'll talk about the final now, but I feel like for France, I don't know about you, Argentina's a pretty good matchup. Yeah, definitely, because it's kind of they're they're not the total opposite of each other, but for me there's a big contrast of styles. Um and it's a, it kind of a testament to France's quality that even with all of those injuries, they can still look so strong and so inevitable. Um, I just, 
even when Morocco were really pushing, I never felt France kind of flustered or, you know, they're just very professional getting the job done. And then when you need them to have a moment of quality, you know, there's more than enough that can that can provide it. There's Mbappe, there's Giroud, there's Dembele, there's Griezmann, there's players off the bench. Um, you know, and there's just they just feel kind of ominous. Like you said, I think now that you've raised that point of Real Madrid, it's very Real Madrid. Um, but for me, looking at Sunday's game, it's a really interesting one because I feel like Argentina have have some momentum. Well, some momentum, a lot of momentum. Um, especially with how the, the last few games have gone for them with, with Messi and, and basically everything going right. Um, even though they were, they were pinned back in the, in the last moments by the Netherlands and they'll, they'll be fancying themselves, but France, I think they can pose Argentina some problems because they look so strong in transition. And I don't think Argentina have been that good in transition. Honestly, I think their midfield is quite, um, technical and progressive, but I don't really trust them physically still. I think DePaul's done a good job defensively, but for me, Paredes and Enzo, the strength there in midfield is on the on the ball. Um, yeah. And I think if France can kind of pass them and really go at this defence, we don't know whether it's going to be a back three or a back four. But for me, I, I just see that, that Argentina midfield and, and for all the progressive passes for all the you know the willingness to get into the box and support I do sense a little bit of vulnerability when they get past yeah I I think I'd describe it as firstly obviously as you say Paredes and and Fernandez the the quality the main attributes are on the ball but I think defensively as well that they want the game to be in front of them and and I think then they're fine in those situations they can shut the ball down as, as, as you know loose balls on the edge of the box and that kind of thing uh, before anything sort of comes out of it, they can snuff it out. Maybe a tactical foul, and I think that's you know I think that's true for those two, and I think it's true for most of the Portugal, uh, the most of the Argentina team. Romero and, and Martinez at the back, very front-footed. Otamendi hasn't got the pace to to, tur- to be turned and, and run in behind, and yeah, you know, I mean maybe up against Olivier Giroud, but but not with Mbappe. Not if he gets isolated against Mbappe in a sprint. Not if Griezmann's coming through from midfield again, or, or Rabiot even, the way he's played so far in that sort of almost Granite Xhaka-esque role, I guess, this tournament, bursting from from that central midfield position on the left. It, Argentina will not want to spend much time running back towards their own goal, and Completely. France mm-hmm. want to spend all of the time running, <laughs> you know, over 40, 50 metres towards the opposition goal so yeah I, I agree with you completely it's it's that open space and if the game becomes a game like that if it becomes a game where when Argentina lose the ball in the opposition half they can't snuff out the danger immediately then I think that it suits France a hell of a lot more than than it suits Argentina the the one thing I worry about with France again is just if they if and when maybe because they just seem to all the time uh, if they get ahead because I, I just think there's a lack of intensity when they go you know not on the break with the ball but defensively speaking I think there's just that lack of intensity and when Morocco today you saw it you saw it at times in the England game when one of the central midfielders would drop or when Stones would carry the ball and, and it wouldn't just be Declan Rice uh, isolated in front of the, the centre-backs. And you saw it again today, with we mentioned with 
with Amrabat being when he was joined in midfield, Morocco could play out quite well. And in Paredes and Fernandez, Argentina have got two players that can do that and and can combine. And they've got Lionel Messi, um, which you know we shouldn't forget. We've got possibly at this point, I don't know, the two best players in the world, one on each side. Mm-hmm. I think on Sunday, um, if not the two best players in the world. I would say certainly the two players who can turn a game completely individually without needing anyone to help them. And I wouldn't, I mean, nobody would be, it's not exactly a hot take, but I think it will probably, these games are always tight. If it's not France doing Argentina again and again on the break, then it will come down to which, which of Messi and Mbappe manages to deliver, you know, the more decisive moment, if you like. Yeah, I mean that's why I've I've got a little hunch that Argentina might move back to a three, um, because Nahuel Molina at right back, isolated against Mbappe sounds like a recipe for disaster for me. I think they'll, you know, maybe go with what they did against the Netherlands because they went back to a four for the last game, didn't they? Um, and I think, but he, but he has used the three a few times. To, to, just to see games out, right? I think Mexico and yeah, he, he and, did, and, and the semi-final um, again, like the last twenty minutes, he's he's brought on that extra centre back. What do you what do you think of uh, Tottenham's Cristiano Romero isolated against Kylian Mbappe? Like, I I kind of feel like he could relish it. I think it's either a game that he would be a ten out of ten in, or a two out of ten <laughs> in a very Mustafi way. Um, <laughs> Because he's he's so unpredictable and so reckless, um, but he can also be a, a, a really excellent front-footed mm-hmm. defender, you know, because he's got pace, he's got some size, um, he likes to be first intercepting, you know, in front of the in, in front of the strikers. So I I really I really don't know which one's going to turn up, which Romero is going to turn up. I think defensively, I trust Lissandra Martinez infinitely more. Um, but that's why I've got the hunch that he'll go with Molina and R- Romero on the right, just to give them a little bit more security because either of those two players with the danger of being isolated could be a, a real problem for, for Argentina. I think, especially when um, intensity emotions are high, you know, it doesn't take much to get this, um, this back, uh, back line going for Argentina, but also Messi, he's just so intelligent. And I think, him being able to pick up those little pockets of space could could really make a difference because I don't think France have had to face anyone that have a player like Messi um, in in terms of someone have, having a total free role, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think he's just found a yard. He's just found a... I'm not sure. I, I, it's just incredible the way he's managed to raise his levels in the last couple of games. And I think, Again, we've spoken about it, but just the narrative, the pure narrative of this final, the story, the arc, it just needs to happen for him and it's now or never. And I think it's the perfect occasion for him to say, look, this is this is me. I've done it. It's finally off my list. Um, and I can ride off into the sunset and, and, and enjoy the rest of my 30s. Um, but like you said, it's going to be a, an incredible heavyweight clash between Mbappe and Messi because it's not even close, to be honest, that they're the best <laughs> two players left in, in the tournament. They're, they've been probably two of the best players in Europe this season. And 
I hate to reduce it to that because it's not obviously going to be down to that, but in terms of players who can, who can turn a game, who can spin somebody and make a difference, it's those two. And I think it's a final worthy of the occasion, I would say. Yeah, and like you, you know, you talk about Messi and having that free role. If you had to pick a weak spot for France defensively, like it is the areas he drifts into, uh, you know, with Rabiot playing a, a sort of box to box role on the left. You know, on the right you have it with Griezmann, but but Kunde is so much more defensive. Dembélé mm-hmm. is 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 disciplined defensively. Kunde sits in at right back and and doesn't really get forward too much. On the left, you've got Mbappe and, and Teo bombing on and Mbappe coming inside and Rabiot trying to join them, sort of create that triangle on the left-hand side. And Chiamani, because Rabiot, because it's Rabiot to his left and Griezmann to his right, he, he does play more on the right. He's obviously sort of the anchor of that midfield, but if you if you look at it, it does tend to be him on the right, Griezmann to the left and, and Mbappe a bit further ahead of them. It's those spaces that, that Messi likes to get into, sort of behind that area where Rabiot will be or, or, or the areas that he'll be vacating anyway when he when he gets forward and goes to attack. So, you know, it it could play into you know, France won't change anything about the way that they play and, and it could play into into Messi and Argentina's hands really, really nicely. Definitely. I mean the stage is set. It's it's quite amazing how quickly this tournament has kind of flashed by um and i have enjoyed it on a on a football side i think some of the games some of the quality that we've seen um has been really good i do worry for some returning hamstrings but i think arsenal have been quite lucky in that department thankfully so um whether it's uh, anybody else I'm, I'm not too bothered about but i do think there will be some tired legs heading into the the next few months so that's something to watch but there we go. We're here. Final is ready to go. France against Argentina. It sounds like a World Cup final, doesn't it? Um, the stage is set. Messi against Mbappe. Could it be the last dance? Who knows? Sounds like it. Um, and what a way it would be for him to end with that wonderful gold trophy. But we'll have to wait and see. I don't think really there's much to comment about on the third place playoff. <laughs> Could it be even more pointless than the Community Shield? I think yes. Um, but I would like Morocco to win it. I think it would be an, a lovely kind of crowning moment for their World Cup tournament. But um, let's see if they can actually field a starting eleven first before putting a team out onto that pitch. Yeah, I was going to say they'll all be going out with crutches <laughs> and and strapping and and whatever else injections and and the like. But I, I do think it will be a lovely moment for them to win the third place playoff. But yeah, all eyes on Sunday. It's going to be an incredible game, Lewis. Thank you very much for joining me. Phil, thank you. We've managed to get through another one without any hiccups. Um, <laughs> and I'm sure Elliot will be back on Sunday for the for the big one. You know, he's left us the, this one. He'll be back on Sunday. But um, yeah, thank you all for listening. And we'll be back on Sunday for Your Country 10, France and Argentina nil.
The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.